From their studio in the Feeding Arizona building in Youngtown, Arizona, it's the Boomer and the Babe Show with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. Join Pete and Deborah and their guests as they give voice to 78 million baby boomers from coast to coast and border to border. Now here are the Boomer and the Babe, Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. And welcome to the Boomer and the Babe Show. Uh, Boomer and the Babe Show, uh, and we're babeless today. Uh, Deborah is working with uh, clients and some of the publishing aspects of the business. Uh, so she's not going to be joining us today. I wish she were going to be here. We're going to have a great conversation with our guest, and this would be some fun to have her along with us. But it's going to be it's going to be ye old Boomer himself, uh, Pete Peters, just working working the phone by himself and talking to our guest. I want to remind everybody that we have more than just the radio show that we do, and you can find everything else out about our activities at boomerandthebabe.com. That's boomerandthebabe.com. Invite you to take a look, sign up for our, uh, get yourself on our email list, and you will get Boomer Experience Speaks online magazine. And every four to six weeks, will come in your inbox absolutely free. And many of the articles in there are written by people that have been on our show as guests. Uh, all that uh, preliminaries having been said, I want to uh, welcome to the show Ms. Carrie Zane, Emmy Award-winning TV producer and author. Uh, and we're going to talk about. Uh, some interesting topics relating to baby boomers, and it's the uh, uh, the graying of divorce or the divorce uh, the divorcees that are uh, in the baby boomer genre. So, uh, with that, we'll welcome Carrie Zane. How are you today, Carrie? I'm good. I and I'm happy to be like the fill-in babe for the day. Well, you. I'll tell you what. We'll we'll go with that. And yeah. You can be the <laughs> guest. You can be the guest babe. How's the that? The guest babe. Thanks. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> well, I tell you, it, it 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 comes with awfully high standards, Carrie. I tell you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But Issues I, to fill, but I'll do uh, my best. I'm I'm sure you can live up to it. I'm not worried about it in the least. Uh, what I we what what uh, Deborah would ask if she were here is she would ask you for your two minute movie of your life that appropriate, seeing as how you're uh, uh, been involved in uh, in television and and. Uh, Entertainment. Uh, her two-minute movie would be a laser shot. I think she calls it uh, of your past, leading up to where you are today with us. Uh, anything that you care to tell us about your background, where you've been, what you've done, and so on and so forth. So, there's a two-minute bio <laughs> right, yeah. waiting, to, waiting well, to be heard. Well, I'll tell you, the highlight of my life are my two daughters, who are amazing. They are now 18 and almost 22. I've been a single mom for the last 11 years. Um, But professionally, I was a television producer. I still am for 22 years. And um, about three years ago, I I had a, a challenging show presented to me, and I and I needed to take a break. And I decided that I wanted to write a book about being a single mother because as I was going through my divorce, it was <clears throat> one of the most challenging things I ever had to face in my life and creating the balance for my children and balance for me and, and you know, navigating through, you know, who are my friends, how am I going to manage my finances, um, and I wanted to create a resource for other single moms. And so I did. I took a you know, a three-year hiatus, and I wrote this book, and I, I also got a master's in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. So 
I proudly hold my my diploma and my Emmy. My hands are full. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice indeed. That's great. Yeah. It, that turns out to be a, a really great story. Um, well, thanks. I, I, well, I know what it's like to go through a divorce when you have uh, children involved. Uh, I wasn't uh, as old uh, with my child and wasn't as advanced in my marriage as you were when uh, uh, when you had your divorce uh, process. But nonetheless, uh, I can I can empathize with what what was going through. The difference being, I kept my daughter with me as a male rather mm. than going with uh, the mother. Uh, not that the mother didn't have visitation and so on and so forth, but it was she moved out of state, so uh, it was determined that my daughter would stay with me in Southern California. Uh, so I mean, it was it was a little bit of a, a a different type role, but nonetheless, it was one that we seem to have gotten uh, gotten through okay. She's now 37, has two of her own, and uh, and a great husband. So I guess maybe it all worked out really well, and and all's well that ends well. I guess is is the right way to say that. But uh, what are what are some of the things that you initially faced as a woman? Uh, what I mean, what is your what was your immediate first hardship that you saw that really hit you right between the eyes? Mm. You know, and and let me let me just um, take a step back and say kudos to you for being the man and and stepping into that role and and raising a daughter. That's awesome. Well, right? thank you. Hats, I, uh, yeah. Uh, I appreciate that, but I, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I mean, it's just this the way it was. She and I were always close, and we played sports together, and we did everything else, and we still do. So uh, it was, it's just one of those things. It just it just worked out. It could have easily gone the other way, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I you know, I think for, and you may have found this as well, but children definitely change the dynamic of how you step back out into the world. And so oh, in my terms of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's and it's interesting because you don't know it, you don't know what that's going to be like, you know, until you actually experience it. And so being a single woman, no kids is is one dynamic and you get to make your own choices and sort of do things your own way. When you have children, no matter how old they are, they have opinions. Mhm. And and my daughters did, had no qualms about expressing their opinions about you know what mom should be doing shouldn't be doing and I think that there's also um, they they become very territorial you know they, because things get sh- shaken up in their world and they you know you have to be their grounding and so anyone coming into their their orbit becomes an interloper. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So. <laughs> I, I, there, there was, there was uh, one particular time, one time in particular, that I was dating this woman, and she was just absolutely adamant against it. I mean, and as it turns out, she was right. <laughs> yeah. I, I never should have yeah. been bringing it down. But, none, but nonetheless, I mean, you do, you, you do what you do, and and but I'll never forget the time that she was just. Heartbroken because I was uh, spending too much time with this other woman, and uh, and I at that point, uh, and it was early on in my in my dating experience uh, of being single again, and I made uh, made absolute certain that whenever she was with me, which was most of the time, the weekends included, 
uh, I was not going to be going out anywhere with anybody. Uh, I would meet people through her her softball activities, through any of her school activities, and so on and so forth. And we may have a cup of coffee or whatever the case might be, but there was no dating action, so to speak, until such time as my daughter was visiting her mother in Arizona. Yeah, and yeah. That, and that, that makes dating actually challenging, too. You know, yes. <laughs> it's like I guess for you it was almost non-existent. <laughs> yeah, I you know, and it, and it doesn't matter how old your children are. They can be four or forty-four. They still have issues with their parents and and who they become involved with. Um, I shortly after my um, separation, I started seeing a man who I actually dated for a year and a half, and. That was almost 11 years ago, and two weeks ago, my daughter, who's going to be 22 in a couple of days, said, you know, Mom, I, I really, I didn't like, his name was David, I didn't like David, and I and I really, I don't know why you were with him, and, and I really needed you most at that time in my life. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, and she's kind of held that in for, for this long of, of a time, so there's definitely some things that we have to work out, but she... Yeah, she wasn't happy with me. <laughs> so well, I learned by mistake, and and you know, and the, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book because I would love for other women to to learn from what I did wrong, and and hopefully some of the things I did right. But well, don't make I, my I, mistakes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's really good. I mean, it, it's it's nice that that information is out there for for people. And I because I know that uh, when I was uh, out and about. Uh, and there was after after that first incident that I mentioned, there was never there was never a case that if the woman were to meet my daughter, and if there was ever any kind of a uh, a, a lack of acceptance uh, that was that was you know heartfelt and and I could see that there was going to be a problem. Uh, I'm I'm sorry for the lady. She. She didn't pass muster. <laughs> yeah, was, exactly. It was, it was it was later days. Yeah. And so, uh, but De- Deborah Deborah popped up and boom, there it was. I mean, you know, they hit it off, and I said, well, okay, let's yeah. let's, let's see where this goes. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, you were lucky. I I know that there was um, another. And listen, I did a lot of dating, so I can tell you stories. You know, we can fill sure. the hour. But um, I did. I dated a man for uh, not for a very long time, actually. He and he had a daughter who was sixteen at the time, and two twins who were like nine. And we just happened to go to the same place on vacation, you know. And so I was with my daughters, and he was with his kids, but. His 16-year-old daughter saw me in a bikini and just had a fit. And there was no way that that man was going to have another date with me because I was inappropriate. Oh. (laughs) And that was it. And she won. And he, you know, ended up seeing someone else who was a a little more, I guess, mature than me. She wore one piece. I don't know. But, um, but you know. That was it. She won. I lost. <laughs> oh, shame on you, Carrie. My yeah, I, who how, knew? How, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my golly. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about your process and and your book and 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 all that all that uh, all those good things. 
the the title of your book is uh, "It Takes All Five: A Single Mom's Guide to Finding the Real One." Uh, the real one is the right the right uh, partner. Uh, but what are the five? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Um, I have what I call the five finger philosophy. So, um, and and just so you know, the book is divided into three sections. So, the first section is about healing your inside. So, you know, taking some time for yourself. And the second part is healing the outside. And then the third part is moving on and, and finding a new relationship. Because I feel any time you go through a trauma, you know, whether you lose a husband, you know, you become widowed or divorced, you need to take a step back and, you know, kind of reassess who you are and, and, and you know, before you go forward again. Um, so once you've kind of gotten that out of the way and you feel good and you know, you know, about your values and your beliefs and your wants and your needs, then moving forward and finding the real one is really assessing these five the, the five finger philosophy, the five uh, aspects of a person. So the five are physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and sexual. Okay. And it's about matching those five aspects up with another person. And and I liken it to holding hands. So when you grasp, you know, when you take Deborah's hand and then you lock your five fingers together, you've got a rock-solid hold, right? right? If you only have two you know, you could probably slip apart or three. So it's the idea of when you find somebody that you're seeing and, and they kind of match up on two or three aspects of, of that personality, um, you, you can work on the rest. But ultimately the goal is to, to lock all five fingers. Very good, very good. And is there, a, um, is there an order, a sequence? That uh, that this happens. Can, where does it where does it start? I mean, can it start with uh, emotion? Can it start with mental? Can it start with sexual? I think it can be any of those things. Um, for the most part, I imagine that physical is probably the first aspect that people resonate with. You really have to be attracted to the person. Um, but I also take physical to another level. So it's not just because, I mean, frankly, we are older and we do have children. And so it's not that we're procreating again necessarily. I certainly don't think I want to do it in my 50s. I don't know about anybody right. else. Right. But, um, but, but when you look at somebody's physicality, is it how they take care of themselves? Are they healthy? Do they exercise? Do they, what's their financial situation, frankly? You know, do you know that they can take care of themselves? Because I, I also think at 50, we're not in the business of, of becoming a mom, again, for an adult. Right. You know, we've got our children. So that's, th- those are the things that I think, I look at when I talk about physical. And and then you can work through the rest of them. You know, do you emotionally match up? You know, do you um, mentally, is this person challenging enough for you? Can you hold a conversation? Because, I mean, frankly, sex is great, but, you know, the mental connection, I think, is more important for us as we age also. Well, I would I would think so too because I mean this uh, there there comes a point when one is more prevalent than the other. 
I guess is a one way to say it. <laughs> okay, uh, which one is which one's more? Well, I, I'm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I think I think the mental connection is is becomes more prevalent. Yeah. I mean, I not, agree. not that not that the others don't exist, but I mean, uh, you you get on a wavelength, and uh, as Deborah often says, well, uh, we're using the same brain here. Uh, you know, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like we we finish each other's thoughts. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it really is in some respects. Other than that, she always knows what I'm thinking, and I can't get away with squat. <laughs> uh, but, but well, uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but not that there's anything to get away with. It, but I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's it, we're very simpatico when it comes to just about everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that that really. Um, creates a, a real companionship and I think that that's what we're really looking for in our lives. Oh, I agree. I absolutely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Uh, we talk about my guy and I talk about, you know, can we be together alone mm-hmm. and alone together? And and that's our standard. So, right. you know, we can, if we can do both, that's mm-hmm. a really beautiful place to be. Well, yes, it is and and I and I will say, Throw the throw into that mix now the fact that uh, if Deborah were here she would be sitting at her desk which is no, no more than ten feet away from my desk where I, where I'm doing this broadcast from mm-hmm. and and we are in this office space uh, all day long now one of us may walk out uh, down the hall whatever the case might be one of us may go have us she may go out and make a, a call like she is today to visit with a client or i may or something along those lines but for the most part we are here and we are in this space all day seven days a week because we never stop working we're always in here and we're always always together now you have to it, that is something that i don't think a lot of people can um can undertake successfully no, I I I'd agree with you. I think that that again, my hats off to you guys. That's awesome. Well, it it's amazing cuz we we have been doing that um for 25 years basically. You know, we've been there's a very short period of time that we worked outside outside of the uh outside of our offices, but uh our office, but for the most part we have been together working and been together every day almost Almost uh, exclusively, uh, except when she had to travel to Arkansas to help her mother or whatever, you know, those types of things that happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we have been together exclusively almost every day for 25 years, which is pretty amazing. When you that is pretty amazing. And I shake my head and I wonder, how did I do this? And she shakes her head <laughs> and says, what, how did we do this? How did you do it? We're here now. We should write a book. Um <laughs> yes, I think you should. One one of, one of us is a pain in the neck, and the other one accepts it. Um, oh, okay. There you go. That's I'm, I'm, <laughs> as long I'm as you a, both agree. As long as you've had that conversation and you agree, I think it's all good. Well, and and it can be the case where the roles can switch. Oh, all right, but, good. You know, one time I could be being the pain in the neck, and she'll deal with it. And other times she could be being, being the pain in the neck, and I deal with it. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. And do, uh, but <laughs> I know with my guy, I'm, I don't think I'm a pain in the neck, but this week he told me that I was. 
So I guess maybe I am. Ah, well, <laughs> we all, Carrie, we all have our moments. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> Uh, you in in some of the information that you sent along to me, you used the word rescripting. What is rescripting? Uh, it's a word that I invented because I am a TV producer after all, and so everything is like a script. But I talk about in the first chapter, I talk about rescripting as in terms of rewriting because I believe that we can rewrite history. We can rewrite our history. Because what happens to us in life is, you know, we go through times and there are stories or things that happen or accidents and and we create these stories that we believe um and we carry them with us and they affect how we behave in future relationships or, you know, in our work life. And if you can take a step back and look at some of those stories that happened in your life and and rewrite them and make them work for you, then you can change the course of your actions. So, for example, um, when I was little, I was two years old, when my dad got up and he you know, put his golf clubs on his back, and he walked out the door, and he never came back, ever. Hmm. And so I went through life believing that I wasn't worthy, and I wasn't good enough. And so it created um, it, it, it created this this world that I lived in with with relationships, specifically with men, where I became this like over the top people pleaser. To the, to the extent that I sublimated myself. Mm-hmm. And when I went through my divorce, I had to really take a step back and look at why I did what I did and, and how I lost myself in that relationship and how do I find myself again. So I went back to my childhood and, and I rewrote that story for myself. You know, I took a look at it and realized that it really, his leaving wasn't about me. It was about him and his journey. Right. And his journey was his journey, and my journey is my journey. And it doesn't mean that I'm any less of a woman or any any less valuable or lovable. And unfortunately, it you know it took me 50 years to get to that place. You know, I want I would love for people to do it in their 20s or 30s. You know, just really heal those deep wounds. You know. Do you think um, that it is? Uh, should be, oh, I, I guess mandatory is not the right word, but nonetheless, do you do you think it should be something that people would do that when they're involved in any kind of a, a divorce, a separation like that, especially with children, that, ch- that the children should be given some kind of counseling for some of these very reasons that you just uh, enumerated? Uh, absolutely. I think that there's nothing more healing than communication and whether they're communicating with you or a third party i think that children definitely need to um, talk out what's going on you know just the situation that i mentioned before with my daughter and this this man that i was dating that she suddenly told me she was really unhappy about i need to address that with her and i'm going to because she needs to get it out of her system and the only way that you know the only way she can do that is to talk about it and heal it and release it Right, right, and I and I 
and I did have that situation with my daughter, but she was very young when that happened. But today, not that we ever talk about it anymore, because we just don't. There's no, there's no need to. And no, she feed doesn't feel a need to, I don't think. Uh, but she, she'll just say, "Oh yeah, I remember that," <laughs> you know, or something like that. And, and that's that's yeah. where that's that's where it's left because it it is it is truly past. And uh, and the, the the fact is, she made her feelings known, and uh, I didn't disagree with her. She was right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think as long as they, you know, as long as you give them an open, safe place to yes. talk about what's hurting or, you know, what concerns them, then it can be healing. Uh, what What have you found uh, with regard to, and I, with regard to your girls yeah. when uh, when they've been? involved with you and uh, anybody that you might have a longer term relationship with as far as the interaction is concerned uh, how much interaction do they normally have and are they sometimes more interested than others or are they pretty much uh, passive along the way and not uh, not all that engaged how do, how do they react with the men that I date yes Anybody that's uh, that's, a, that's a more serious, a longer-term relationship. Um, it's interesting. I think they generally don't like anybody. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I think they're they're fiercely protective of me. Ah, uh, I see. Um, it's it's better now that they're older and they're dating, so they're a little uh, more lenient. But I tend to keep my world separate. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I I I get, you know, and and I think I I give a lot of credit to the people who create blended families because I think that's really challenging too. Well, it is. Uh there's yeah, I I don't I don't ha- I don't know that myself. I I don't have that situation, but I can see where is it where is it would be a very very much of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I my daughters were 12 and 8 when we split up, and I have lived on my own ever since. So I've never had a man live in my house. Uh Uh-huh, okay. And it was a conscious decision. And not to say that I didn't date and have a good time and go out. I mean, I did all that, and it was fun, and I loved it, and and I think everybody should date. It's great. But um, just keeping, it was like, uh, this is my cocoon. And I was keeping my daughters in my cocoon. And funny enough, I think they really like it because they're all still here, all still <laughs> living with me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there you uh, go. Yeah, so it's a, it's kind of more like a sorority house now, which which I love. And I talk about that in my book too. Like yeah. they're crazy. But. Well, but what's it, what's it like to live with uh, with two young adults that have undoubtedly their own opinions and views on things? And how do how do you keep that? Um, how, how do you keep that from blowing up? Because uh, it would seem to me that it would have the potential to do so. I have been very blessed, and I have always believed that as long as I am really open and honest and, again, giving that safe place for my daughters to share their thoughts and feelings, um we would have a, a, a really good, strong relationship. And it's always been that way. And I have never, thank you, Lord, I have never had a situation where either one of my daughters said, I hate you, Mom. 
you know, or right. go away. Right. Or, you know, we've never had that. We've always, this house is full of love. And I truly believe it. it's because they know unconditionally that I love them and I support them. And no matter what they do, I am here for them. And I wanted to create that situation for my daughters. I wanted them to know that this was a safe space to share whatever happened, you know, whether they drank too much or, you know, because if they are, I want to be able to protect them. And my older daughter went through a phase where she was kind of hanging out with some kids that weren't great. And um, and I remember it wasn't her, but one of her friends got really drunk. And she called me at midnight and she said, Mom, I need help. I don't know what to do. Can you come and get us? And I did. And I felt good about that, you know, that she felt like it was okay to let me know they're in trouble, I need you, and it's okay. And I brought them all back to my house, and this poor kid got really sick. But um, it was never taboo. Well, my hat's off to you on that. Uh, (laughs) We're just having a love fest, aren't we, Pete? (laughs) Well, we are. We really are. And let me me tell you why, because that's exactly what I told my daughter. Uh, and I said, uh, here's here's the way it is. Uh, I will always be the mean, hard-ass dad whenever you need me to be the mean, hard-ass dad. And by that I mean tell your friends that I'm a mean, hard-ass dad, and I will have your ass, pardon my Spanish, if I if you do that, you know, if you go along with the crowd. I said, I don't care if you have to sit on a curb by the payphone. So it tells you how old I am. Uh, <laughs> sit, on, sit on the curb by the payphone with uh, with a quarter that you put in there to call me. I'd rather you call me. Uh, there were very few rules. Very few rules. Be a good citizen. Don't yeah. get your don't get yourself. Frankly, don't get yourself pregnant if you're gonna if you're gonna be active. Use something because right. there's there's diseases out there that can kill you, and a pregnancy will change your life. Uh, not ruin your life, but change it so that it'll make it much more difficult uh, to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And the other thing is, uh, I don't ever want to get a call from the cops that you've been doing something. And other, and, and that's that be a good citizen thing. And and I just I told her that, and and we were successful with that, and therefore she was successful. And the fact that I told her also, just like you did, whenever you need me, you give me a call. I don't care what time it is, day or night. Uh, call me because that's I'm the dad and, and that's what I get paid the big bucks for. You get paid the big bucks. Yeah, and I also would tell my daughters um, that I they are the most important thing to me and I love them so much and I want them to go out knowing that they are my world and they're so important and I want you to behave as though you know I'm there watching you so you know that you need to come home to me and i think that helped right you know right. it stayed in the back of their mind oh my gosh you know what i don't want to do anything because mom loves me so much and if i hurt myself she's going to be upset you know and 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 i really think that they went out there and and yep. kept that in their minds well we told them the same we both gave them the same messages there's no doubt about it no doubt about it with all this that's going on it sounds to me like your your uh your cup is half full how do you keep it half full Oh, how yes. Half full is really the the best place to be. You know, it's putting your positive head state on every morning, keeping your smile on and and knowing that there is a bright and beautiful future out there for me. 
Well, yeah, exactly. And and if it's there for you, it uh, also starts showing up with other people that are involved with you and close. Yeah, to you. there's like actually I did you know there's a I, I love research I love science because you know, like we do, nothing that we ever do in our lives really isn't you know kind of chemically um, um, based. But um, one of the things one study that they that they did was they um, asked people about smiling and they showed them comics and and some of the group. They put pens in their in their mouths so that it forced them to smile. And that group that had the pens in their mouths, as opposed to the people who didn't have the pens in their mouths, saw the the, the cartoons as funnier mm-hmm. because they were smiling. So it's like this this mental chemical unconscious thing that happens when you smile. Your life is better. Uh huh. So I, we all should be wearing a smile all the time. Well, I, it just makes life better. It well, it does, and it takes fewer muscles. Uh, oh, see, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't realize that. It takes fewer muscles of your face in your face. Just to smile, smile into frown. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. That's and that and that's some science for you. You can take that science to the bank. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, now, amongst these things, this information, these little tidbits. That you sent me, you said the fallacy is that great divorce is a great payout. What do mm-hmm. you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I'll tell you. There was a. There's a. It's a funny story. I um, a couple of years ago, I was in a Pilates class with four or five other women, and one lady's husband had just walked out on her like two weeks ago and moved into an apartment, and the other three women were still married and I'm listening to them dialogue cuz I'm the stranger in the room and and there's they're counseling this this woman and they're saying oh don't worry the courts will take care of it he's going to have to pay you a lot of money and you're you're not going to have to worry it's you know your life is going to be great and I looked at them and I went you know that's not necessarily the truth <laughs> because that isn't necessarily the truth. The courts are different, and and you can't think that um, because you're getting divorced that you're going to get some big payout, and you're going to and your life is still going to be as it was when you were married, except minus him. So it just doesn't work that way. It's it's not it's not a, lo- a logical assumption. It is I mean, not a logical assumption, so and right. and I have firsthand experience. I can tell you, it did not happen that way for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, things are very fickle, especially when you start dealing with uh, the law. It, mm-hmm. it, it becomes uh, very uh, – it, it can become very uh, subjective, not objective, when you're talking about somebody that has the power to make a decision and to grant whatever is going to be granted or not granted. And uh, and you, you can be – you can be the one that is the the recipient of whatever that grant may or may not be. And yeah, really, yeah. It depends really on whether the judge wakes up on the right side of the bed, or you know, is she, you know, is she happy with her husband? Is she mad with her husband? You know, like, <laughs> well, true, there's so true. many things that come into play. Did your lawyer really do his homework, or did he not do his? Homework? I had to tell you something. My lawyer really didn't do his homework very well. He thought he had a no-brainer on his hands, and he was very surprised when we got to court. So. I'm um I have become a huge proponent of mediation or or collaborative divorce because really if you go to war nobody wins but the lawyers. It, That's right. It, yeah. It 
and everybody it's it's so emotionally draining and it's draining on your kids and it's draining on your pocketbook cuz and and that money really is supposed to be there to support you to support your husband to support most importantly your children well that's true and and, and so many times it becomes and you hear about it most certainly in in your line of work in uh, when you're talking about uh uh, in the entertainment industry, when you hear about these just tabloid divorces, and and there's kids involved, and you go, is, is somebody being forgotten here? You know, is, is there is, there seems to be a, a young soul here that is being totally forgotten, mm-hmm. and and that just uh, it just doesn't seem to me as though that's uh, and being forgotten not only by their not not only by their parents but by the courts and the attorneys and all the all the structure either that or they're using them as a pawn right and right. i and i and I don't understand how people can do that i mean i i I had my issues with with what happened on happened in mine but nonetheless um it was it, it was left up to an independent mediator basically who made the suggestion and the question was was somebody going to fight it or not and to mm-hmm. her credit to her credit she didn't uh, she didn't fight it uh so that, that would, and there's there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything including divorce isn't there I, yes i think so and you know truthfully kids they are your legacy and they didn't ask to be born you know right. it wasn't their choice it was your choice and when you become a parent you take on a huge responsibility for that child's life until such time as, you know, they become independent. And so if you're going through a divorce, it doesn't mitigate your responsibility to do the best that you can for that child. You have here that there are three financial must, top uh, top three financial must-dos for moving towards, uh, forward after divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you What do you suggest that they are? I um, spoke to a financial advisor, a female financial advisor, and and her top three words of wisdom for women is when you know once you're done and and you've settled your situation, whatever you you earn moving forward, you've got to put half away because you have to think about you know we are graying. And we're graying and graying and graying. We're gonna. My mother's gonna be 93 next month. I could live a long time. So right. you need to you need to save, right? So you know, half you can spend, half you got to put away. Um, number two, although retail therapy is awesome, you have to really hold yourself back from that, especially in the beginning. You know, when you're when you're first going through the divorce and you're really in pain and you want to feel good and you want to look good, it it you know you could blow a, your bank account. So you got to you got to hold back on that. And and the third thing and I think most importantly is again we you know we're not children anymore. And um not to say that you 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 don't not to be generous with a new partner, but you can't share everything. You know, it's not like all of a sudden your bank account becomes an open book. You have to take care of yourself first. Right, right. Yeah, the, you're the new number one. Exactly, and that's it. And and uh, you know, women we live longer than men. I'm sorry to say that, Pete, but you know we really have to think about that. You you've got to sort of manage your money differently and better to for all eventualities. 
Well, uh, I would I would tend to agree with that. Uh, what was what was the second point? You said retail what? No retail therapy. What is retail? He's like therapy? not retail therapy. <laughs> every time you get bummed out, like every time a date doesn't work out, you can't go buy a new pair of shoes. Oh, okay. You know, okay. it's that momentary bliss of putting them on and feeling really good, and then you come home, and you know, a month later, you get the three hundred dollar Amex bill. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's my bad. I should have realized that's what you were talking about. I said, "What the hell?" Well, is Deborah would know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, no retail therapy. I, I have to remember that. I'll have to. I'll have to tell her that whenever she's feeling down in the dumps and she wants to go out and spend money, I'll say no yeah. retail therapy. No yeah, retail therapy. Yeah. No going go. to the mall. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, just just go look find, look in your closet, find a really new pair of shoes, and put those on instead. Because um, you've already spent, you've already had your retail therapy. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> go do you like so, go do a workout instead. Go get an endorphin high. I'm I'm big on on exercise. Yeah. Well, you you go into the process here of dating uh, in your book, correct? And uh, yes. getting getting back into the dating scene and, mm-hmm. and so on. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's uh, certainly important to somebody that uh, uh, still feels that they have a, a life to lead, uh, a life to live. Uh, so, what are some uh, what are some secrets for uh, uh, for the for the dating woman nowadays? The the graying, shall we say, the graying dating woman? Yeah. So here's my my number one rule. Um, or philosophy. Dating is a journey, not a means to an end. Okay. So, you know, I'm not looking for necessarily the the next real one or the next right guy or the next one to marry. I went out looking for a great time to have great experiences, to learn what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, it, it just... you. You have to embrace every moment of your life, and dating is part of that. And so even, and I always say, like, even a bad date is a good story. I've had my share of really bad dates, but they are really funny stories when I get together with my girlfriends. Sure. Right? So, or, and I know I've, I've talked to men, too, and they tell me great dating stories. So you have to look at the process that way. You know, I I learned, I dated a guy who was a wine connoisseur. I learned more about wine than anyone probably should. But it was great. I loved it. And I knew that he wasn't the right one because he drank too much wine, but I had a great time. (laughs) You know, so I think that those are, that you need to look at life that way because it's a process. You you know, and maybe you'll never get to the, to the, to the, to the real one or the right one, but then who cares if you had a good time? Uh, Deborah just helped a, uh, a, a friend of ours uh, that we've known through networking and chambers of commerce and so on write his book, and his book is about his um, his experiences with internet dating. Mm. And, and he is my age. He is my age almost to the day, and. He <laughs> And it's a, a very interesting little book. <laughs> yeah. Well, there definitely it's it's funny and I think internet dating has opened up such a huge universe of possibilities, you know, for for the good and the bad. 
um, you know, I think you have to really be careful when you're internet dating, but uh, you definitely can run into some characters. I met some people that I would never cross paths with necessarily because we lived in such different worlds. And again, so I learned things that I never would have learned. I One guy that I, you know, it didn't work out as a date, but he's my best friend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you do have the, the good and the bad. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, right. And I would I would imagine, uh, Deborah and I have also said to one another, I don't know what it would be like to be out there in the dating scene right now. I mean, I just don't know what I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'd, I'd be like a fish on dry land just flopping around. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I would imagine uh, that you can be out there and you hear all kinds of stories. And how do you separate the truth from the fiction? Well, I, you know, you really do have to put your smart hat on uh-huh. and 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 be conscientious and cautious. I am a huge proponent of Googling. I Google everybody. Uh-huh. You know, and, and it's, it's interesting what you will find. I know there was one guy, because I did my fair share of Internet dating too, and, and there was one guy who contacted me from Ohio, and he gave me his name, and, of course, I Googled, like I said, I Googled everybody, and I Googled him, and, I, and he told me he was a doctor and an anesthesiologist, and, you know, so I started searching to find him, and um, I found stories about him being a, I, th- I don't even think he was a nurse practitioner. He was an assistant in the ER who ended up stealing meds from the hospital and got arrested and was in jail. Ah. You know, so, yeah, it's like do your homework. Well, and and I and I know you know if you if you've been in a long term marriage twenty five thirty years and you're starting to hit the dating scene again and you know like I said I think internet dating is great and you go on a website and you you know the minute you put your picture up you get thirty winks and you know fifteen emails and it's great for your self esteem but you know you you do kind of have to start whittling through and I tell everybody you cannot give anybody your phone number. You know, it's not the traditional, oh, the guy's going to call me and he's going to come pick me up at my house. You don't want him to know your house. You don't know who he is. Right. So, you know, you meet in a safe space, in a coffee shop, or, you know, somewhere where there are other people around, and you kind of have to assess on that first date. Like, I wouldn't make it too long and sort of assess if you like him, if you want to see him again, if you want to give him your phone number or you don't want to give him your phone number. You know, you really do have to, um, like I said, put your smart hat on. When when uh, when you're out there uh, dating, uh, I have the sense that you have de- developed some sort of a dating philosophy. What is your dating philosophy? Uh, well, like I said, I, I you know every bad date is a good story, and and everything is a journey, and every date that you go on, there is something to be learned. You know, whether it's, you know, like I said, learning about wine, but also learning about yourself, what you like, what you dislike, what you can tolerate, what you can't tolerate. Um, You become very keen on, um, you know, next time around uh, what's important to you. So there is a redeeming quality for every date. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
yeah, you have to look at it that way. I like I used to want to come home and cry. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to cry. I'm going to turn it into a funny story. And I would. And I would regale my friends with these crazy dating stories. And they laugh at me. But, the, you know, it be- just became fodder for fun. Well, why don't you become a stand-up comedian telling these funny stories? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting that you said that. But I actually am talking to a friend of mine who owns a small theater about turning it into a one-woman show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> There yeah, I call them dating dramas of the single mama. And, and yeah, there you are. And I, I bet I could find you a good producer. Okay, <laughs> I'm right. Let's do it. Let's put on a show. And I'm not the only one. I mean, everybody has funny dating stories. Sure. If they've been out there. They have funny dating stories. Sure. Well, yeah. You look at- you look at the comics. I mean, when you watch Comedy Central, sometimes or some other things, or even some stuff on HBO and stuff like that. These, I mean, some, one of the common threads that run through them is, uh, I met a guy, I met, I met a woman, uh, my dating, my my dating situation, you know, my personal life, and and they make they make fun of it all, uh, self deprecating humor, and it's just funny as you can ever imagine, and you're you're laughing. But it's all based on something that didn't go well, and then they've uh, they've obviously exaggerated it. So, uh, or maybe they haven't. <laughs> well, <laughs> or maybe they haven't. Yeah, I there was a guy that I actually he was a date, but it didn't work out. But he was telling me this funny dating story that he had somebody he met online, and they communicated back and forth for you know a couple of months, you know phone calls, emails, and they had a great repartee going, and they just decided to meet at a bar and she walked in and was six months pregnant and never said a word about it so he just sort of played along with it and said hey do you want a drink and she said i'll drink water and he said really you sure you just want water she said yeah i think i'll just have water and they're talking chatting and you know another half hour goes by and he finally looks at her and he says you know were you going to tell me about that and she got incensed and said why should that matter and he said, I don't know, you know, maybe I would have cared, you know, if I was going to get involved with you that I would be raising somebody else's child. <laughs> so it's like, why wouldn't she say that? She's six months pregnant and she's out dating. It's, I think that's crazy. Well, that that was some of the uh, similar in some respects to one of the, some of the things that uh, were, were in this guy's book uh, with regard to don't lie about your age, uh, you know, don't. Don't put your profile pictures up there with your pets. Uh, that's right. his, that's one of his things. He says, I don't care if you have pets. He says, I got a dog too. I says, but uh, what I'm what I'm looking on the internet to date people, possibly. I I I want to know them, and if they tell me they've got a dog and it's a mean, vicious dog, we'll deal with that later if it gets that far. But I don't. <laughs> I, I, but I guess for him it was a disqualifier right there. So if you want to self disqualify, if you want to self disqualify for this guy, uh, take a put. Put your uh, put your dog on your lap. I guess I don't. Know. <laughs> right, it's funny, and do, and people do that. They put the their pictures up when they were you know fifty pounds lighter or fifteen years younger or you know and and I don't understand that because when you go and you meet that person, do you think that they're not going to notice? Yeah, you're going to. You know, notice. I like I don't understand the mentality <laughs> behind gonna, that. I'm going to walk into a room and say, "Oh my God." You don't have any hair. <laughs> yeah, like what happened? Yeah, I don't what understand happened? what happened. Did you so, just and I know that there are, you know, women tend to 
fib about certain things and men fib about other things, you know, like how tall they are or their zip code or I think men sometimes lie about their age. Women definitely like to fib about their age, their weight, and uh, probably those two things, their weight and their age. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll leave it. We'll leave it there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You also indicated that uh, you have an answer to what are the one, two, threes about flirting. Yeah. So there's, and there are different um, methods, you know, if you're on the net or on a phone call as opposed to in the room. But, you know, if you're in a room with somebody at a party or maybe at a at a bar, number one, you got to catch their eye and you got to do it three times so that they see that you're connecting with them. Number two, our favorite thing, you and I, is the smile. Mm-hmm. Smile is so important. And and number three, and this is like a, a universal, tried and true, works all over the world, flirty move, is flipping your hair. That's 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 it, huh? That's it. Well, then you got to kind of then you got to kind of make the move across the room and and you know kind of get into his into his world into his space and find a find an opening where the two of you can actually connect and and have a conversation. And I would say once you've kind of caught their eye and you smile and you know that you're getting this back and forth and you do walk over to talk, be. Uh, be alert and be focused on that person and engage them in a conversation about things that um, you want to learn about them. Use their name. You know, let them know that you're interested in, in them and what they have to say. Don't just talk about yourself or think about the next thing that you're going to say. You know what just came to mind when you said flipping your hair? And, mm. and I, have, I have this vision of a woman walking across the room flipping her hair as she goes. <laughs> okay, well, you can't overdo it. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's just one of those stream of consciousness things that came to mind. Uh, so at, at what point then do you say, uh, okay, this is a guy that I want to, using the kids' vernacular, hook up with? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. what, at, at what point? I mean, that's got to be huge. I know when I was younger and I was dating, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And mm-hmm. you know, and that's what that's the way it was. And you know, it's it's like a guy going down the bar and tapping somebody on the shoulder, saying, "Hey, you and me, baby, let's go right now." And they you get slapped across the face, and to keep mm-hmm. going down the bar, because sooner or later somebody's going to say yes, and off you go. Uh, right. But I don't get a sense that it's that way anymore. So what what's that play now? Well, I you know it's funny as as things even as as. Um, current as we get, I think men and women, the way that we interact with each other is still very traditional. And so I think it really depends on what your goal is for that particular person. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you want to just hook up, go for it. And you know what? We're grown-ups. There's nothing wrong with that. But right. I think if you want something, if you think that you want something more in your life or you think that you want something more with that person, then you need to, like, step on the brakes and, and you know, and slow down and really get to know that person as a person and see if you want to engage them in something, you know, more than just a sexual relationship. Got it. 
Got it. Uh, you have here, uh, single moms make great sexual partners. Mm-hmm. Um, another great study that a clinical psychologist, his name is Dr. James Horan, did, and he found that single moms have what he calls parent engendered skills, which means that we are selfless, we are flexible, and that does not mean hanging from chandeliers, and we handle stress. So, and all those add up to a healthy sexual attitude and appetite. So you know, it, I, you know, some people sort of have this image of single moms as being harried and tired and you know not into sex. They're wrong, so wrong. So the old adage of um, the gay divorcee is uh, has some basis in fact. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> you could <laughs> you could say that would be true. Yeah, we, I mean, that, we girls know how to have fun and uh, we know how to manage it. Well, is there a song by that? Girls just want to have fun. I think there is. <laughs> well, it's a title for a, it's a title for a good one if there isn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I've and I've got the lyric in my head, uh, and and the uh, and and I also have the music in my head. Uh, which is better, marriage or LTR? Marriage versus LTR is the way you have it phrased here in in some of your uh, information. But first of yeah. all, first of all, before I ask. You answer that. I showed this to Deborah before she was out of here, and I I said to her, I said I'm really stupid. What is LTR? So tell me what LTR is first. <laughs> <laughs> well, she and, figure and it out you and Deborah are actually the experts. Oh my it gosh! Is, yes, the, a long-term relationship. Okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. How yes. How thick? You are the pros. You are the pros. See, we don't look so, at it that way, but yes, you're right. You're right. Well, you've managed. You've, you've managed beautifully. Well, we've we've done okay. Uh, but anyhow, uh, which is better? What, what is what is your comparison? What what do you think? You know, I I'm not going to judge for anybody else, but I do believe as uh, for baby boomers who. Mm-hmm have already been married maybe once or twice and we have already you know we already have our children um i don't know that the value of a marriage or a piece of paper works anymore because i have i've always felt that i would prefer to have my partner want to be with me as opposed to feel that he needs to be with me because there's a piece of paper holding him to my side. And so if there is no piece of paper, then I know that he just genuinely loves me and wants to be with me. Right. I understand that. Believe me. Uh and I do and I do agree with that. Uh if I were if I were to be in the uh dating Seen again, uh, I would not be looking for somebody to walk down the aisle with, or to stand in front of a justice of the peace with, right. or anything, right. or even, ha- or, right. even have, or even have a commitment ceremony with. I, I right. it's, it's just not necessary, in my no. in my estimation. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. If I, I I'm in I'm in this thing because I want to be here. And, and uh, I love that, and I so honor both of you for for sticking there, sticking together. Twenty five yeah, years, that's amazing. amazing. The last the last thing I want to know from you is, 
there are all kinds of people that uh, are out there professing um, uh, love and uh, professing never to stray, and yet they go ahead and they're just cheating left and right. Is there is there a cure for that? <laughs> that, that yeah, leads, that there leads. is. Yes, there is. And you know what? I'm just going to kind of leave that as a teaser, if I may, because I know we're kind of running out of time. But I have a lot of answers on my website, which is carriezane.com. Um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, what? What? <laughs> because I have to. I have to set this up. This oh, is, okay. This is this is your opportunity for your shameless self promotion. My go. My <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I, I, the the answer to the cure for the common cheater is in my book. It takes all five, a single mom's guide to finding the real one, which is actually available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Um, it is in some selected Barnes and Noble stores across the country right now. Or you can go to my website and find other places to purchase the book. And I have tons of resources on the website. It is my name, Carrie Zane, K-E-R-R-I-Z-A-N-E.com. Wow. Or just, you know, if anybody has any questions or wants to reach out, please feel free, email me. And I'm happy to engage and answer and share and create a wonderful single mom community. Well, that sounds like a a, a great idea because I, I think that would be valuable to any number of ladies that uh, that are in find themselves in a uh, a boomer single situation. Uh, I, I think that would be very very good and very very helpful. So and it, and the nice thing about it, it can be all it can all be done online. So uh, it can, the- and you know what? It's fun. You know, you're starting, you get to start life all over again and talk about rescripting. You get to rescript your life any way you want. Sure. You've got a the whole second half to live and have a great time. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Carrie Zane, it's been uh, an absolute joy uh, visiting with you today. I, I'm glad that we could get this thing together on the. Uh, on the internet machine, as some people say. And, uh, okay. And so we're going to uh, touch base again here. I'm going to give you a quick call right after the show, a couple of other things I wanted to mention to you off air. And, okay, uh, perfect. And I'll, I'll call you in just And I want to send you a book so you guys can oh, take a look at okay. it. Oh, so. okay. Well, we, yeah. can, we can discuss that uh, in just a few minutes. But uh, thank you very much for being my guest today. I appreciate it, and we will talk to you very shortly. Take care. Sounds great. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to the Movement Debate Show, where we bring interesting conversations to the world. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, where we tweet as Boomer and Babe, and on Facebook as Pete Peters 47. As always, you can friend us on Blog Talk Radio or sign up for our newsletter at boomerandthebabe.com. Email us at host at boomerandthebabe.com with any of your comments. Remember, at 50, you're just getting started. 